0: This is Michael Ko from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network.
1: Heroes Garage, where we discuss fantasy, science fiction, superhero movies, TV shows, and comic books. Joining me today in returning is Bill. Hi, Tom. How you doing, Mister Bill? Hi. Well,
0: <clears throat> again, wish I had a better title than Bill, but uh, that's my name. That's uh, what we have to go with so far. I am fine. Good to be back, Tom. Good to be back.
1: You know what? It's good to have you back. I miss having Bill on the podcast where yeah. we can needle each other, we can argue about <laughs> my view of the Hulk and any Marvel film he's ever been uh, in.
0: Yes, yes. It never grows tired for me, Tom. Never grows tired.
1: And yeah, you know what also never grows tired, Bill? <laughs> yes, Tom? It's the number of movie announcements that come <laughs> out of Comic-Con every year.
0: Oh my gosh, we have quite a list, don't we?
1: Yes, we do, and I am eternally grateful for the... (laughs) Oh, hey! Is that a play on words, Tom? I'm trying to get really clever with my transition words here. Um, So, if you don't already get it by the hand, The Eternals has been announced as... Well, we kind of knew it. Everybody that's been in on this knows that this movie's been in the hopper for a while, but it is going to be released November 6th, 2020. So, what's so... What's the big deal about the Eternals, Bill? Well,
0: it seems like we have a star-studded cast. That seems the big news, because I would say mainstream has no idea who the Eternals are. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to rely on big names, right, Tom? Big names.
1: Big names and big stories. We hope that whoever writes this, and I'm sure there is a writer on this that we could very easily look up if we took the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure they've been working on for more than a couple years.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is directed by Chloe Zhao, and I'm sure that's exactly how you say that
0: name. It <laughs> uh, sounds close enough to me, Tom.
1: And it's going to have none other than Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kumiel, Nanjini, um, and others. The writer is Matthew K. Furpo and Ryan Furpo. I do not know anything about the Furpo brothers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's what makes this comment. This is what makes this podcast so much fun.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like we we drop information. You don't really
0: come here to know learn anything. You're just here for pure commentary. these are the names
1: on my screen that's all i can tell you oh
0: yeah so but i think that uh it's it's definitely a different turn for the marvel world wouldn't you say
1: yeah it's the diversity turn um the first four phases was predominantly a caucasian phase
0: (laughs) yeah Um, i would say
1: yeah, and now this next phase is is flooded with females and um, just people of color, and yeah. it's good. It's uh, they're opening up the floodgates. They're opening up the stories, uh, the storytellers and the directors to to investigate other stories that that all of society can relate to. So I think in that way it's going to be really really cool. In other ways, it could be. It'll be interesting to see how. Audiences embrace this shift. Um, I think yeah. it's it's one of those things that people talk about, like, oh, we need more diversity. And then when it happens, I can tell you on the comic book side, people didn't buy the books. And right. very few of those characters really stuck in the right. sense that they had ongoing books that people were purchasing. Um, albeit, movies are different, though, Bill, right? Movies right. are not yeah. the same as comic books.
0: Yeah, because the, basically is, is, if you have a great story great directing, great, uh, actors. Um, you can establish, uh, the story and, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, the, really the, the series, so to speak. And that could then, uh, trigger a, a, uh, a look back to the comics because it may be something that people feel like they missed and they didn't get the first time around. And that's what a good movie could do now the flip side is if it absolutely bombs um then you just it's going to be terrible for the, the diversity side of things
1: yeah and that's frankly what happened with a lot of the books In it's a combination of things number one they don't really have a good handle on they're going through a, a transformation right now there's still your old school brick and mortar comic book shops with the old paper floppies. And then there's the digital copies that are coming out and people just aren't sitting around reading a whole lot of anything anymore. Just look at our reading test scores all over the country. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Even even books that are mostly pictures. Um, But I think movies are different though. So I think it's going to be interesting. I, I feel like the diversity has made much more of an inroad into the movie medium and into music than into like stuff like comic books. So I, I do think it's going to be different. I don't think it's going to be a failure unless the stories they tell, that they just don't resonate with enough people. Do you know what I mean? But like it,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, the biggest problem that you get in any type of these type of scenarios is if, and this is the problem with a lot of characters, is um, are you cramming in too much? where everybody's confused. Uh when you have so many characters in the internals and they represent um so many different things, are they going to have a good pace? Uh are they going to cram it in to be a single um series movie or are they going to spread it out to in a couple of movies? Yeah,
1: that's a great And
0: uh, that's the that's that's key in, in something like this.
1: Yeah, I, that's a, a excellent point. You know what, Bill? I miss having someone on the show that's actually studied film, <laughs> um, because it's it does matter, like how they pace it, how they tell the story. I mean, it, it's yeah. huge. Um, you wouldn't believe how many of those of the other show houses out there, without naming names, they put a lot of detail into their films. Uh, the non-Marvel superhero films, but it's almost too much detail. They don't pace it the right way. They don't tell the story in a way that resonates. And so, you know what I'm hoping does resonate, though, Bill? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is releasing on the Disney streaming app, resonates with fans. Yeah,
0: and like I said before, my my feeling of this is I hope it doesn't turn to a CW type of uh, series. What's Um, wrong with
1: the CW? uh,
0: Never mind um
1: <laughs> not, not not for this podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's another critique of um, you know i I get it um i understand popcorn popcorn <laughs> entertainment i i get it uh I just don't think that um i I like Bucky as a leading character I'm not too keen on Falcon being leading character i would I would hope to see that one of them rises to be a strong character. in One of these, it's hard when you're in a sidekick role, um, you're under the or yeah under the shadow or over the shadow or whatever that saying is. Not under Captain the
1: rainbow
0: though. Yeah, that could be it too um, <clears throat> of Captain America. So I'm I have my doubts, Tom. I have my doubts. Yeah. I it's going to be for me a couple of shows in to see if it's worth watching anymore. Yeah. Um, I do like Bucky's character, the Falcon character. I always felt he's a great support character. I don't know if he makes a good lead character. I could be wrong. It again goes back to what's the writing, you know. Um, and as I said before, it all is on how good the villain is that brings out the, the protagonist. I so, agree with you.
1: And it you just led us right into one of my favorite sayings. And here I am quoting myself for the first time on the podcast. (laughs) Anything could be a good idea or a bad idea. It just depends on how it goes.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's so generalized. I love it.
1: (laughs) That's the the kind of depth our fans have been (laughs) longing for (laughs) in their podcast.
0: You know, it's almost saying something, Tom. It's almost saying something. (laughs)
1: So in actual opinion, Tom's actual uh, opinion on this I property, see. I actually, I think if they get the story right, so I'm going to say the same thing, only in a different way, just switch the words around. <laughs> I think what they need to do is tell us what this is about before I decide that it's not worth watching. I do like the characters. I do like that the the actors playing these characters are the same yeah. as the ones that have been portraying them in the movies. I think that automatically gives that the show more street cred. Right, and then from there they just need to tell a story that doesn't completely, you know, degrade into nonsense too quickly. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that what's interesting is, is, and you know, I said it before: is the 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 non juiced Bucky is seems very docile. Non juiced, <laughs> non juiced. <laughs> you know, is he is he gonna have? Where is he gonna pull his his strength from? That's what I'm feeling. He, he seems very peaceful, very, you know, you know, he lost an arm. He lost his friend. He gained
1: uh, an arm, and he gained an army of friends.
0: Well, that's that's we're going to see how he does with all that. I guess that's the test. And um, yeah. Yeah, I think if he brings the same intensity that he did with Winter Soldier, we will definitely have a show. But if we have this kind of a daisy-carrying Winter soldier it's not gonna be fun tom
1: no it's not and i don't think people will be willing to sit through too much of that good thing is they have other shows that they can sit through if they don't like that one which is a the next uh show on the list is shang chai the legend of the ten rings have you any clue what that is no neither
0: do i Is it a better version than Iron Fist? That's all I have to say.
1: I hope they they choreographed the Kung Fu or Karate or whatever they want to call it in this show a little better.
0: (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, interesting to see who shang Chai is. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, if you think about all the Uh, I think Asian movies, Chinese movies, have predominantly, my fault, uh, done a great job in making the crossover uh, from the, if I could say it, non-white, strong-based movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the Chinese have done a great job. A lot of Asians, Korean, Japanese. I think the Asians have, filmically-wise, character-wise, have done a great job. if you look at the followings in anime and um other popular uh, movies, um uh, I could see Shang Chai being uh something very interesting to watch.
1: Yeah. So the it's gonna star a Canadian actor named Simu Liu, who is best known for his role in the CBC sitcom Kim's Convenience. He's been cast a star as the lead role in this. Also joining him is the crazy rich Asian star Aquafina and veteran actor Tony Leung. Yeah. Aquafina. That should be easier to say than the way that kind of clunked off my tongue there.
0: (laughs) I I think there's hope for this one. This one I, I don't know anything about it as a comic book. Um but I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to see uh, how this does.
1: Well, I'm wondering if you're curious about this next title. It is WandaVision. And WandaVision is going to be released on the Disney streaming app. And it is exactly what you think it is. It's Wanda and Vision <laughs> from the MCU.
0: Oh, that's, uh, that's going to be interesting right there. Wanda Vision. Mm. Yeah, what
1: do you think about WandaVision?
0: Well, it's interesting for the fact that uh, Vision's dead, and um, mm. I, I guess we're going to have some resurrection of Vision. He did did make the post-mortem credit scene in Spider-Man, so uh, it'd be interesting how they resurrect this character and then make him into a uh, Scarlet Witch type of um, pairing, right? I mean, yeah. the, as the pairing goes, it's great. I think yeah. they're great pairing. Uh we you know we got a little bit about it in um in the Avengers and uh, saw how they work together. Um I think mainly in the Infinity War, right? Yeah. So um but I, I, I it's interesting how they're gonna resurrect some of these characters.
1: I wonder if this is going to be based off of the twelve issue Maxi series by Tom King called Vision. And what it was is this family embedded in a suburban neighborhood, trying to just live as a normal family, quote unquote, whatever that means. And you have all these really interesting kind of story dilemmas that come into play with their children. and I wonder if that's actually exactly what this is going to be, or not like, you know, no, nothing is going to be exactly that, but I, I wonder if that's where they're gonna, what they're going to do with it, because that one awards on the comic book side and people just loved and adored that. I wonder if that's going to kind of drive this story. That would be my guess.
0: Yeah, that would be a great guess because if you think about it, you want to do something that is successful and you don't have to reinvent the wheel on. Mm -hmm. And so if this is a story that they don't have to reinvent, then do it. And it, maybe you don't have to go into the explaining of, uh, visions return but more or less of this is what these two li- these two lives were like um before thanos came in the picture
1: yeah so let's see I hope, well, so. I hope so
0: yeah because you know it's great to have great source material that you could draw from
1: yes it is you know what also was a great character before thanos came into the picture was
0: that time loki
1: loki Yeah, before he got throttled to death by Thanos.
0: One of my, you know, next to Thanos, uh, one of the best um, villains, anti-heroes that we had in the Marvel screen. Uh, That's just my undying opinion here.
1: I agree with you. He's always interesting. And the actor is always right on point. And I think he's got his own series coming to the Disney streaming app. So there's another one that, go, that goes to the streaming app, not to the big screen. And does that excite you? What story could they tell about Loki that would have you running to your wallet, grabbing your credit card, and signing up for the app?
0: <laughs> well, it's Tom Hiddleston. And I think that uh, as an actor, he is very fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Uh, he is uh, he is very excitable Uh, we've seen him pop up in other um, you know movies and it's always fun when you see someone that you like pop up and you go oh it's the Loki guy and and he has a a great acting ability and for him to be Loki in a series uh, I think it's going to be interesting because you, you're going to try to figure out what direction is he going to go into. I mean, he is the god of mischief. So it's there's a lot you could do there. Um, I think the temptation would be to make him a hero. But uh, if you truly stay for it with his character, there has to be a lot of that mischief there. And then he only chooses to be a hero because of its own self-interest.
1: That's exactly who the character is, a non hero who sometimes does something heroic for the heroes. And this is actually going to take place. They they told us at Comic Con. Right. It is going to take place right after Loki changed his own fate when the Avengers went back in time in Endgame. <laughs> Remember how he did that little yeah. woogie woogie yeah. there?
0: Yeah. That's right. They had to make sure they showed him um taking the the cube. And yeah. um bringing himself back to life, so to speak, in another timeline because we know how time is always something that you need to play with, especially when characters are dead. It's uh, a nice tool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to get confusing, but I do want to know from you, Bill, what would you want to see? What direction? So we know that it's going to happen when he gets the Tesseract and he kind of goes somewhere. Where could he go and what could he do that would interest you? Like, what would that story need to look like for you to, like I said, run to your wall and grab your credit card?
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, a lot of what he knows is gone, although in his timeline, uh, it is not gone yet. Um, so it, I'm curious to see how they're going to establish this uh, because, uh, you, you know, um, does he know the fate? Of of his himself of in one of his timelines, uh, so like I said, there's a lot of confusing there. But I think that if he stays on earth and meddles with things on earth, that would be the first easy play to play. put Loki is in a human situation um, because since he is a god, um, you know now you're going to have to establish another world. You're gonna to have to establish new characters in those worlds. You have to make, uh, you know, their own stories. But to keep them in Planet Earth, there may be a lot of creativity uh, there. Um, it's hard to say where I would like him. I, I'm more envisioning, of predicting of where I would, where I think he will show up.
1: Okay, I would like him to be in a world. Okay, so. I completely avoided that question. Yes, you did. I'm going to answer the question. And I'm the avoider, Bill. <laughs> That's my role. <laughs> what it talks about.
0: Because uh, okay. I tried in my brain. I tried, but I felt like I can't see him anywhere other than
1: Earth. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to cherry pick here. This, these are not my thoughts oh, or yeah. my ideas. They are obviously coming from my head. But where I got these ideas from is, um, the, oh, what's his name? Jason Aaron. He did a book called Mighty Thor. And in Mighty Thor, Jane Foster became Thor for a chunk right. of time. It was a wonderful series. I just absolutely loved and adored. It's one of those things where you think, well, this is a trope and a gimmick. Let's just change genders and see what we can learn. And But it was just so interesting. And within that story, I think it one of the initial sets of stories had to do with some mischief that Loki was trying to pull off back in. The Asgardian world, so back in that Thor area, not on earth, and actually, I don't know that they would well unless they went all the way back. I would like to see that let me just say that I'm not gonna go back on my on my word. I would like to see him causing mischief in back um back there, and then maybe <laughs> even yeah, Asgard, and maybe tease a little tease a little bit of mighty Thor a female Thor here and there. Not that they would be able to have Natalie Portman show up, but because you don't want your episodes to cost $21 million an episode. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I would like to see that. I think that would be interesting because there is some, there's going to be a vacuum created when Thor's racing around trying to find cubes and fighting Ultron and everything else. He could be back on Asgard doing all kinds of crazy things.
0: Well, that's what we kind of saw. Already, right? Um, Never mind. (laughs) In Infinity War, right? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's why we
1: leave these to the writers. You know what else we're going to leave to the writers, Bill? (laughs) What's next, Tom? What's next on the announcement list, Tom? Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That is a full-length movie. It will release May 7th, 2021.
0: Wow, too long. That's up to say too long
1: guess how many movies marvel is releasing in 2021 oh what 10 seven seven ten yeah, was seven big movies <laughs> like
0: jeez they are and like they're taking all that money that they just earned well half of the money they just earned and starting to make in movies
1: well they're gonna take half Isn't that, that crazy money that's just I crazy yeah that's it is. They're not going to leave any room for any other show house to make any of the superhero movies.
0: Man, they're just going to kill DC. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange, though. What could happen <laughs> in this next Doctor Strange? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Doctor Strange. Ah, I love Doctor Strange. He is one of my favorites as a comic book character. And uh have David Cumberbatch as the actor. Love Strange. Love Strange and Affinity and Endgame. He is such a great, great Marvel character, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see another Doctor Strange movie. I just wished it was in 2020.
1: Yeah. And yeah, this is one of these movies that you really wish they didn't have to wait that long. We don't have to wait as long as we're going to have to wait to see. It's a character that's been well-established now. He's been in three films. Um, right. His own solo project, Infinity Wars, and Endgame. He's played a major role, and we look at him as a character that is going to add a little bit of continuity yeah. to to the MCU as we transition away from Captain America and Iron Man and the Hulk and all these, and over into these new characters. Doctor Strange is kind of a bridging character. Yes, he is. So let's see what else is on the list. This one, I think, Bill, I predict. That you are going to be so excited about this one. Tell me, Tom. It's on the Disney streaming app. It's not coming until the fall of 2021, so it's over two years from now. But it's going to be a show called Hawkeye.
0: Oh, yeah. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Now, I don't think we're going going to see Ronan. Are we seeing Ronan in Hawkeye?
1: I'm going to look her up right now. See,
0: that's what I think would make the Hawkeye fun is that Ronan piece. But uh, it, uh, to get Jeremy Renner, I mean, are they using Jeremy Renner or yeah. is it going to be one of those handoffs? No, Jeremy uh,
1: Renner. And it's so, going to be, he's going to be mentoring Kate Bishop. Uh, okay. So
0: it is going to be a, uh, a handoff show. I got to call it a handoff show is that you're going to get him for the first few episodes. And then he hands it off to his protege and uh, takes it from there. And he, Shows up when he needs to. That's my prediction, Tom.
1: You know what? I don't know that I could counteract that prediction. Um, I think that's exactly what they're going to do. <laughs> I didn't even think of that either. <laughs> I, I'm like, no, it's not that I thought about for a split second. Yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. Um, now, Kate Bishop is a character that people love. and. Right. She's had a place in the Marvel Universe a little while uh, in the Jessica Jones series, right? So, I, I'm if they make it like the like the Netflix series that goes for a lot of like not so much Wanda, and, yeah, actually Wanda and Vision too. Right. If they make it um like they've been doing the Netflix uh, Netflix projects where you get ten strong, ten to thirteen strong episodes, I could see this being probably the highlight for me.
0: Right, um, yeah. This could probably, be
1: cool. Yeah, it could be. So you and know it, what else is... Uh, go
0: going? I was going to say, this is just part of them, um, you know, diversifying everything.
1: Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So this might be the title that you're most excited for because it is your favorite Marvel character. Tell me, Tom. Thor. Love yeah. and Thunder. Release November 5th, 2021. Guess who's returning? Natalie Portman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and guess who she's going to be? A Thor? She's going to be Mighty Thor. So
0: that's going to be interesting because, like you already alluded to, is that it, it uh, plays, and plays into the graphic novel. I think it was a graphic novel, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, well, they take like five or six stories and they clump it together and they call it a graphic novel. Yeah. And I think there's like three or well, maybe even four plus years of this Mighty Thor stories to tell. And right. they were wonderful. In fact, there's twists to this. Spoilers, all the comic book readers know this about Mighty, the Mighty Thor character. But she was wrestling with some dilemmas that Odinson didn't wrestle with. And it made her story so much more compelling. And not only the female angle, but also she was dying from cancer. Right. And so every time she transforms into Thor, it takes a toll on her human body. And so she's got to go in and try and get her cancer treatments. And then she's changing into Thor and saving Asgard and fighting all these mighty creatures. And it just adds a different layer to the story. Right. Well,
0: that uh, seems exciting. And uh, I like uh, Natalie Portman. I was talking to my daughter about it. And she's like, I don't like Natalie Portman. I'm like, shh, quiet.
1: I didn't hear that.
0: Near did I. I liked she. I thought she played a great Jane and I know that there is a lot of, you know, people feeling like she didn't, but uh, I thought that she did phenomenal and uh wanted to see more of her and I know there's a whole story there that we can't really go into about what happened to Jane, but anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So I didn't talk about Black Widow. That movie's already um in production yeah. and ready to be released. Um not ready to be released, but that will be released as well as black Panther two, I think is coming out after 2021. But my final announcement, my mic drop of the news is Mahershala is blade. Yeah.
0: Wow. Exciting, huh? I like the, uh, the Wesley Snipes blade series. Um, Mm -hmm. all of them, but, uh, I did like them and, uh, I thought that uh, it, when I heard that he was playing it, because he, he played uh,
1: um
0: in Luke Cage, right? Cottonmouth. Yeah, Cottonmouth. And uh, he's a great, intense actor. And he fits the Blade profile perfectly. Yep. Uh, and um, <laughs> he almost has that Wesley Snipes look, um, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> you know what? He's the kind of actor that you just plop him in this thing and... Just a half half decent script and this is going to be this is going to be the property that I'm most looking forward to. In yeah, this me too. I'd have
0: to say. I, I am I am I am extremely excited to see
1: this. Yeah. Should be good. We'll have to wait two and a half years, but it'll be fun when it happens. So right, right. you know what was a lot of fun and it already did happen, Bill? What's that, Tom? Jessica Jones three.
0: Oh my gosh, here's our segue.
1: Yes, Jessica Jones three dropped and it's hard to believe that the Marvel Netflix uh, companionship ended and it's over. Comes but to a
0: close. And it, what a close uh, it was, Tom.
1: That wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. It would it closed well. And it closed with the the superhero, sometimes antihero, Jessica Jones and her Motley group. <laughs> <laughs> uh who are plagued by demons on all corners and i don't know what it was i don't know i just i just thought that this uh series had a lot of weight on its shoulders i thought yeah. it it had to take up the the mantle as the last show and that's always a hard yeah. thing to do when yeah. fans are thinking well this is over why even watch it will we ever get a show like this again. Um and so this is a series and I'll give some of the specifics first unless you wanted to give kind of your initial thoughts, but otherwise no, I'll go ahead. Give
0: them. it give it your little um your your preview, I guess. That's how we want to say okay. it, right?
1: Yes. So Kristen Ritter is Jessica Jones. Rachel Taylor is Trish Walker, otherwise known as Puquah. Um That's um Patsy Walker Hellcat, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Ika Darvell is Malcolm Du (sighs) Casse. Carrie Ann Moss is Jerry Hogwar Hogarth. I'm pulling up the full cast here now as I'm speaking lighter. John Ventimiglia is Detective Eddie Casa. David Tennant is Kilgrave. Rebecca De Mornay is Dorothy Walker. J.R. Ramirez is Oscar Orocho. And I'm gonna stop there because there's a lot of names. This yeah. is Yeah. Let's see. Story-wise, this is a continuation of the Jessica Jones story on Netflix. So the last time we saw Jessica, she was fighting demons both in her heart, soul, mind, and also in the form of her mother. And yeah. <laughs> At the end of that, it was was a very conflicted story. There was a lot of mother and daughter drama and conflict. And Jessica found her mom. And then by the end of the series, spoilers, lost her mom. Yeah. She had a very close friend in Patsy Walker. Yep. And by the end of it, she lost a very close friend because Trish had to kill Jessica's mother, which is never a good thing. For people to have to go not through a in life. a friendship. Not in a friendship, Tom. It's not, it's not
0: good to have your best friend kill your mom. I think that no. it's recommended against it.
1: Yeah, so this story starts with a, a uh, Jessica Jones who is licking her wounds from the death of her mom. Uh, she's been rebuilding her life and her career. Uh, she still has the hot temper, the sarcasm, and she's yeah. still a private detective in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, plagued by self-loathing and symptoms of PTSD. She's battling addictions. And through it all, she still remains the hero who has the value, which I would say is most captured by the word compassion. She is pursuing an enemy. There's a new enemy, which I thought this new enemy, there's kind of layers as far as enemies go. Um, I thought was, that enemy was intriguing. And I also thought the very ending of this, which we won't get to for a while, but to spoil not to spoil right here and now. Right, right. the very end of this, I thought was a beautiful setup for Jessica Jones 4, which will never be made.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. And I think that what's interesting, and in, you, you tapped into it, is when you left Jessica Jones 2, um, I did not like it. We reviewed it already. Anyone who wants to go back in a podcast, Uh, We did a podcast on one and two, and two just completely fell short. It was the origin story of Jessica Jones with a lot of muddled mess of other subplot lines and characters I didn't care about. And we just ended up with a story that felt um, pushed and shoved and trying to make something out of nothing. And it was just a mess. And so with Jessica Jones 3, my feeling is, how are they going to recover from this? Is this going to be another soap opera? Because I felt, man, it was such a soap opera. And, and and I don't need to watch my Marvel characters be a soap opera. There's enough soap operas out there. And, um, you know, yeah. I feel it's a complete waste of time. But I felt the series really redeemed itself. And I said this in, in the Jessica Jones um, cast. Our, our podcast is that it has to do with the villain. You have to have a great villain uh, because that's what brings the story together. That brings the protagonist Jessica Jones to to be who she is. And um, you know, and you had this story with uh, um, Trish Walker that was just as much of the story uh, as Jessica Jones. It could have been really Jessica Jones 3 and Trish Walker because that's really what this show ended up truly being.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. The very first character that we saw, very first season, first episode was Hogarth. It was yeah. Jerry Hogarth and it was Jessica Jones going to her office and they had a conversation about a job that Jerry had for Jessica. And sometimes it's easy to forget, but I think this series helped remind me, anyway, that this series was not just about Jessica. It was always there's a there's a there's a story arc for Jerry and all of this as well. And so I thought that was interesting. And before I get into the characters, I will say there were some. I almost I almost did it, Bill. I almost got distracted. I almost like started to dive I heard, into the it, characters.
0: You bit your tongue. Very good. Thank you.
1: So some of the themes that were. Here, where well, there's mind control, um, there's strong female leadership, um, right? You see a lot of private eye work, a lot of playing around with super strength. Where Patsy Patricia Walker, she definitely is skilled and powered up from the last time we saw her. And I think overcoming, overcoming, well, of
0: course you had a you had also an introduction of a new special, right? Yeah. It, with eric mm-hmm. yeah he, he was special
1: yes he so was I thought,
0: I thought that was a very interesting um introduction i think that helped the series tremendously mm-hmm. actually bringing him in um because i started personally get tired with a lot of these characters mm-hmm. um but i also the a, a theme that was there i think the biggest theme is was you reap what you sow Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that was blatant in almost every single one of the characters that we saw. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially, I mean, the the low-hanging fruit with that whole reap what you sow theme is Jerry. Right. Um, She was doing a lot of reaping and weeping. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Her uh, heartless, cold-blooded ways that were billed as, I don't know. What they were built like, as—it was like
0: on every front with her.
1: Yeah, she was uh, getting annihilated.
0: She was. It was, but it was. I felt it was. It was. It was due for her. Yeah. You, you know, when you have a a a good lawyer that a very good lawyer who um, has the worst of mankind that you defend from their crimes, it's just it's icky. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um even though yes she's good at what she does but she's protecting people who have money people who mm-hmm. do horrible things and I mean we saw that in a couple of the episodes of what Malcolm had to do mm-hmm. and to protect the client's interest and they pay top dollar to be protected by someone who's the best. Uh mm-hmm. obviously it, it could be anybody but in this series it was jerry and um yeah it was just man talk about a snowball huh oh yeah cow. it was like on now, the front.
1: Malcolm switches he's working as a security on security detail for jerry's firm in this film and so he leaves jessica jones private practice and he's over in jerry hogwarts firm and that's how he ends up over there and he gets pulled into into both directly through patricia walker breaking into the firm and stealing information and Malcolm letting her go and all right. of that being caught on film. And it's also muddled by a relationship breakup between Malcolm and his girlfriend, which I can never remember who that character's name is. It could right. be Zaya Okanja or someone else. I think that's it is. Um, and then, so Malcolm had had a lot going on in his life too, but Jerry's Everybody around Jerry gets pulled into the mud, including yeah. an ex-girlfriend who also got dragged <laughs> through the mud. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I mean, I did like, I guess we're going we're gonna to talk about characters because we can't help ourselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> we cannot help ourselves. I, what did you think about Jerry's arc? I know they tried to do a redemption arc in season two, but frankly, the whole thing was so muddled icky and sometimes just downright nasty that it was really hard to enjoy I will tell you that I I did enjoy this redemption arc for Jerry but did you
0: well it's interesting you call it the redemption arc Um, I think well I I, Jerry's character just she just creeped me out period and uh, I don't care if it was a woman or a guy in this role that type of person period is just it's just hard to watch um yeah because it's it's it really plays into the uh slimy lawyer right and um what makes her uh we we learn more about her than just your slimy lawyer who shows up like uh oh gosh and luke cage you know the lawyer that um that yeah. was with the family. I can't remember his name.
1: Yeah, but, he was in Rocky Balboa, Rocky Four, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know <laughs> so that kind that role, plays
0: that slimy, you know, lawyer role where he just comes in and you're like, oh, he's slimy, and uh, but you don't know what makes him slimy, right? With, with Jerry, we now know what makes her slimy. <laughs> and she's like so she's you,
1: like slimy mixed with razor blades. <laughs> exactly, and and that's what's
0: so hard. Right. With with her character is that you have this ickiness that's there. And so it's very hard to like it's very hard to um, feel like you want to uh, be behind her because she's just manipulative, her self-interest, her power, her self-glory. And at the beginning, yes, I, I know I texted you and I was like, Yeah, I'm really not liking Jerry. I really feel like this pointless. And then it kind of turned and became part of the story, which I felt and that's what was a problem with Jessica Jones too, is they had all these plot lines that really didn't meet anywhere, right? It didn't really come to the middle where this one and they all came into the middle. It all finally tangled up together and it made these characters I'll be in the same soup together. And I didn't like, cause I, I guess when I was texting you and I, I didn't like, it was like, Oh boy, here we go again. The same Jessica Jones tired, uh plot line of Jerry and who she is. And she's got a disease and you know, now she's preying on her ex-girlfriend and you know, all this stuff, but to have it kind of naturally turn the way it did, and how then, how she really messes with Jessica um it, I felt like the character finally had purpose in the Jessica Jones story. Does that make sense?
1: yeah, it does i she had a there's a turning point in the series um she's the same old Jerry until about midway to sixty percent through this, and then she starts to make a transition where she tries tries to right some wrongs, and it could be that. It hit home for her when her girlfriend um thought she was a monster and she thought Jerry thought she could go to her girlfriend and just kinda of win her over with a couple of tearful apologies and it didn't work. I don't know if that transitioned her or if it was the bad guy who was in this. What's his name again, Mr. Bill? Oh, that was uh wasn't it Lessinger? Was it- Yeah, Gregory Salinger. Salinger. Yeah. So, of course, Jerry being the slimeball that she is, is defending Gregory Salinger, who is threatening Patricia Walker, Jessica Jones, and the other high-powered beings. And they play off this whole narrative of somebody needs to monitor the superheroes. And Gregory, who's an absolute psychopath killer, is a creep. Yeah, he's a creep, and he plays a really good creep. And I don't know if his creepiness creeped out to Jerry, who was less of a creep than Gregory. Um, (laughs) I don't know, but she did transition a little bit. But let's transition over to Gregory Salinger as the villain. And what did you think of Jeremy Bob in his portrayal of Gregory Salinger? Uh,
0: Absolutely loved him. I mean, you can only have uh, one purple man, right? And um, it's interesting because he doesn't have any super powers. Um, he wasn't special and he had a disdain for those who were special. Yeah. But uh, man, he had this real um, man. I, I, it was a look that he had in his eye. That gave his being a villain was just great. And he had kind of a Dexter type of um, feel to him as well that uh, that I liked. And, you know, he's going to be his own. You know, he's going to write the evils of the world. He feels like he's smart, which he was. He's brilliant, which I think he was probably um, a super in his own right. Maybe he didn't know it. And uh, because his power was more of his intelligence and his way to grasp intelligent thinking. But uh, like I said, is is you got to have a great villain that brings out the uh, the strength of a character of the superhero. And um, and like I said, in Jessica Jones, too, you didn't have it because it was the mom. It was the origin story. It was kind of it was so much of this melodrama. Where this is straight to the point. This guy's a threat, and he portrayed that threat well. And um, he was able to really embody it to Jessica and to Trish. And uh, I, re- I really enjoyed the character immensely. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I always I say kudos to the storytellers that they return to this idea that the villain needs to be somebody that gives you a clear idea of what you need to do to that villain. Like, you need to fear him or her and you not hate is kind of a strong word but you definitely don't like them and they return to to a strong what's that you need to fear them yeah and you do in this because he is deadly yeah he is deadly and it leads to one of my favorite scenes in all of Marvel Netflix which is what I'm going to call the wrestling mat scene (laughs) Jessica was great Jessica Jones and Gregory Salinger. so the way the inertia of all the show is going, you have Salinger baiting Jessica to beat him up on the mat, and the atmosphere in that period at that point in the series was this anti-hero um, inertia that was growing and right. growing and growing, and salinger was was feeding off of that and painting uh, Trish Walker and Jessica Jones as, as the bad guys. And within the context of that, he challenges Jessica to a wrestling match. Right. So, and it ends uh, the way it should. That is exactly well, how that's it, supposed to go.
0: <laughs> the beauty of it, and this is what he failed to recognize, and what she caught on and he caught on during the this match was the boys were actually on Jessica's side.
1: Yes, <laughs> that was <laughs> awesome. That
0: was awesome, and he recognized that. And then she, you saw that in her look, like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, okay. And that's when she kind of took it up a notch. Yeah. And uh, oh, I love that scene because you what know. that that showed us. Because I do hate that. I do that, and that's what kind of superhero movies do, and they waffle. Is, you know, is oh, the superhero, oh, is he a bad guy? And the public opinion goes against him, and, yeah. you know, they hate him, and oh, he's got to redeem himself. As a, you know what I mean? That storyline yeah. yeah. that we see a lot of times. in this was, in this one, I didn't get a fact that in, in, even in the Jessica, I mean, I think later on, but at this point, she didn't lose any of that.
1: No, she didn't. And what she did, what she is the the best hero at doing this is that she broke through all these tropes. Like, one of the tropes that I I hate seeing in films, and I'm going to go right here, right there. I hate it when they have somebody trained in martial arts and all of a sudden it completely wipes out any athletic advantages, any strength advantages. Any size yeah. advantages. All of a sudden, you can just twist a finger and throw somebody over the Empire State Building. In <laughs> in this one, you saw exactly what would happen if right. somebody who's well-trained went up against somebody who's a thousand times stronger than them. You would get yeah. killed.
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter. How trained you are, strength does matter.
1: It does. She He had her pinned, like, oh, yeah. it's over, and all she did was lift her arms and throw him across the <laughs> room. <laughs> uh and they're oh, and they were all like, Woo-hoo!
0: you know, and it, it's like it's what he didn't realize is is that there's no such thing as fair it's right. is strength and power
1: he can, and, she kind of used his strength against him this isn't right. fair, no, it isn't, and no. yes, that's the thing that you're upset about, but that's also the thing I'm gonna rub your nose in, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it, and that kind a lot t- that up the ante and it ended up Trish Walker just the transition over to another character. Trish had a lot to do in this series as well. Um, she enters in here as kind of the ant, the hero, anti-hero, enemy, depending on which angle yeah, you take. Exactly.
0: She oh. talk about arc is uh, Trish is just the arc uh, of this uh, this tires this series, and I, I think that. Um, you know where she? I think before and Jessica Jones too. It it oh, it just felt like she just was her character was just a pain in the neck. That's um, just saying it nicely. And yeah. um, but man, talk about just watching somebody like Jerry completely, um, just end up just eating it in the end and just yeah. losing it and just it, it goes into that whole you know self-righteous type of thinking and um i loved it because she felt she in the end uh became um salinger um and that was the beauty of the storytelling in this show yes was it was how she became that um uh somebody who was uh felt like they had adult justice and to the point that Eric couldn't stand being around her. And, yeah, it, um, yeah. And yeah. that was great. Uh, I know we haven't really talked about Eric's character yet.
1: No, but sticking to Trish, Trish is her transition from being really striving to be the hero. And she's always living with this, living up to mommy's expectations right. inside of her. She's living with that dilemma. And by the end, she's sitting in a cell, and when she she it she comes to the realization that she is the villain. Yeah, I'm the I bad. thought that was almost biblical. That was almost like David and and um, Nathan, Nathan, where Nathan confronts him and says, "You're the man." Like, You're, You're the, the man. One. And that's <laughs> they that's that is a, a, a I attribute that to the storytelling, the acting. Right, the pacing. I think the what they built in this series, this Trish Walker payoff at the end there, it it shows you what they built in the series from yeah. episode one all the way through.
0: Well, like I said, is as I felt like this movie could have been, the show could have been just as much as Jessica Walker or um, Trish Walker and you know Jessica Walker, Trisha Jones uh, show. I mean, it was that uh, interesting with her that. Man, and what I liked about the storytelling and of this is, is you just watched it happen naturally. Um, it, it 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 was on a course and in in decisions made on that course uh, really put her in the spot of where she was. And it wasn't, you know, sometimes what happens in filmmaking is, is that, uh, you know, the writer is God intervenes and then all of a sudden changes the, the course. Uh, you know that's that's what happens in filmmaking and uh, you know because it just also doesn't make sense, you make some leaps and bounds, and it doesn't uh, the 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 character course is is not true mm-hmm. this one was it was true to itself, and the entire time every decision she made, every acting she did really led to her demise and it was it was just it was great to see that type of storytelling within a character that quite frankly was very weak, very superficial that had a lot more depth in it than Jessica did because they tried to do that in the Jessica Jones too. And they really kind of failed. Um, you know, this is why Jessica is the way she is. Instead, we got to see how Tris ended up being the way she is um, yeah. by going back in her past and, it was so much time was did, was um, was was put into this her character that um, you got a great payoff and yeah. you kind of knew you were going to that it wasn't all of a sudden going to be some oh she turns out oh I see they are in my ways I'm sorry no um, her her sorry was
1: you're getting thrown in the raft <laughs> you know? yeah you know, and it felt not, it was a. It was refreshing. It was a refreshing way to tell the story because we're so used to stories rounding off the edges and mixing yep. a little white in the in the black and yeah. making everything gray. And and in this, it's like, no, you're going to prison. Yeah. Like boom. Another yeah. thing that I thought. Well, go ahead. No, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I think another character that I thought redeemed herself, and you'll be like, well, who's that? <laughs> Jessica. Jessica redeemed herself yes, in this. I, I think that season two was so muddled because she's fighting her mom. So you couldn't really hate her mom. It was right. just the, the emotion. Our emotions were just too convoluted and muddled by the story itself. But right. I thought the payoff for season two actually was experienced in season three as Jessica had to fight her way through that. Right, and now she had to get her proximity and her proximity awareness around her, and figure out, okay, who's the real enemy? Who am I fighting? What right. am I fighting for? Right, and she was doing all of that in, in um, masterfully because she had enemies and villains on every angle. I yeah, mean, Trish. I
0: mean, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I agree percent. Yeah, because you had think about it. you had a villain she had to stop and salinger she had a uh an overzealous partner you know finally she has a partner and the 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 partner it's like it's as if robin became this uh became deadpool <laughs> yeah <laughs> right and um and that's really where trish became and so you're right the payoff of jessica um being the hero that's what it really was all about right yeah, it was, was she, it was about being a hero because uh, Salinger was saying that she's a fraud. You're no hero. Um, and, you know, she really doesn't want to own herself as being a hero, but she was a hero. And yeah. by the end, she truly, you know, um, ended up because she wanted to run away. She ended up making the decision. No, I need to be the hero because that's who I am. And um, yeah, she had a lot of, it was very tough on her to, you know, she's mad at her best friend. Uh, Now she needs help to go after a villain that she can't stop. So she recruits a best friend. They become really friends again to only now have that friend go over the edge. And again, she's in, she's in a crossroad of, okay, I'm trying to protect my friend, but they seem I have to do the right thing. Yeah.
1: Amazing storytelling. I mean, it was to great.
0: Me, it was yeah. a great time. I mean, if you, you know, the, the way that they just worked at with uh, Jessica and Trish's uh, characters was great. And you know what? It's not like Jessica really wasn't the main character in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the show's named after her. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they did just a great job. Um, with with her and Trish,
1: I will venture to state that very few characters, and very few like when you look at the carries that the characters that are in this series, you couldn't tell this kind of story with this level of depth and this kind of storytelling. You couldn't do this with with a lot of other superhero no. shows, and that's a credit to these characters. And I, I think do think Punisher, the first Punisher they did. Um,
0: I think that's what the first, the first Punisher did. I don't think the second Punisher did. I thought that there was a, a lot of depth, um, with Frank Castle and Mike Rowe, And I, I thought that that was a, a real good in depth. Um, uh, but I, I think, you know, those two are the only ones I felt that they are able to go into this, um, I, I mean, I like to go back and do some studying. As like we're the same writers on the show, because mm-hmm. it sure it, it seemed like they they were hitting on a lot of uh, psychology um, mm-hmm. that they normally you know most shows don't tap into.
1: No, I, I totally agree with you, and so I mean I think that kind of is a nice transition as we start to think about comparisons. Um, when we start Jes- comparing Jessica Jones 3 to the other Netflix properties, where do you think this lands when you start to compare this this particular season to, like, your Daredevils, your right. Punishers, and others? Um, what would you rate this, and where would you... Or would you rank it in the yeah, Marvel Netflix it, world? It, it's
0: hard to, to rank this one because it was different. I mean, this one is in definitely in the top 10. And I would look because I really liked uh, Luke Cage 2 a lot. I felt that one had a lot of depth into it with the family, um, you know, with the two families. And Luke Cage is kind of in the outskirts of this. And then he's and then has to kind of deal with this show. Um, you know, you look at all the iron fists and, you know, that series kind of failed miserably. Um, Jessica Jones too failed miserably. I don't think the Punisher two was as good, you know, as I, as I get to think of it, um, a daredevil. I think all the daredevils were phenomenal. Um, I liked every single one of them a lot. I liked the first Punisher a lot. Uh, I like Luke Cage two a lot and so and Jessica Jones one is in the top five, so I would put it more like in the nine. I, I, I still think I like I like Punisher first one better than Jessica Jones three just because and the only reason why I, I rate it the way I did is that I thought they did a great job right off the bat with the Punisher. Well it seemed like Jessica Jones three had to go through two to make three, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It does. It had, to, it
0: had to bear get its bearings. Um, it's like you had to burn an entire season to get Jessica Jones three, and I I think that's a shame, uh, quite frankly, because then, you know, could Jessica Jones two really been Jessica Jones three and then you could have had another Jessica Jones three, which like the way you're alluding to, there could have been a Jessica Jones four. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. So when well, I start Yeah. When I start to rank these and compare these, I look at um, Daredevil Seasons 1 and 3, Jessica Jones Seasons 1 and 3, and Luke Cage season 1 for six episodes, and then Season 2. Those are the top of the the creme de la creme. Yeah. So when I look at the best, like if I were on a desert island, (laughs) and I could only bring jessica jones season one and three and punisher season one episode one
0: I <laughs> see. <laughs> the thing is it's like I, I liked i liked um i think i liked two uh, daredevil two a lot more than three um just because that was really when we, get, we got to meet punisher um we got to meet um oh, shoot, i don't shoot remember i i know i can't remember her name and then Kingpin. So you had all these Lycra. these other supporting characters that came into the picture and introduced themselves, and I really liked that one a lot.
1: Well, Daredevil um, season one. I forgot Kingpin's in that one. Yeah. Um, I think you I would actually remember pick...
0: Kingpin and the Purple Man are the, like the top two villains here that yeah. we with, and um. That was just, uh, you know, just amazing villain work. It is, uh, it is so much the villains, and that's what yeah. the comic books are all about too. Is you really, if you don't have a good villain, you just have really just some melodrama on pages.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm if I'm being honest, I would put Daredevil season one, Jessica Jones season one, and season three, uh, that first portion of Luke Cage, and then that first episode of Punisher. Those are the top for me. But I do put this like it's in my top five. I just oh. Jessica Jones strikes a chord for me that yeah. very few properties do. She, they're able to go to to depths with characters and, and right. they're be able to tell stories that in, that fail in other properties. So it's yeah. is by far one of my favorites. And I do think that this is a type of show that you do need to spend some time with. So if you don't if you don't take the time to to really watch it and you're just kind of caught up in trying to slam through all the shows and and talk about it right away the next week in your podcast. It's very easy to lose to lose the meaning in it because you just don't take the time to to really let the story sink in. And right. so I do think that this is up there. What would you rank this? Like how many um like out of ten, from one to ten, where would you rank this? Jessica Jones season three?
0: I, I like uh I, I like it as a nine. Um, definitely is a nine. Just because I think that, um, and I understand the whole Jerry thing. I I I felt in the beginning that I was going down the road with Jerry again. But even though I know I know, as I was texting you, you're like, "All right, stay with it," and uh, I had to stay with it. Um, I, I mean, I ended up liking it. I think I really started liking, um, when they when they had the villain come in and um. And it took a few more episodes to get there. and uh, because I know they had to establish the story. And, and and, like I said before, it's that's where I felt Jessica Jones three could have been um uh, just as good as as number one if they didn't mess up in two. <laughs> yeah, I gotta hear myself say that all over again. Um, I, I just give it a 9 overall. I, I can't say I could give it a 10 because I think Jessica Jones 1 is a 10. It really is.
1: Yeah. I, um, I'll use a little revisionist history here because that's exactly <laughs> the way this show works. And this show would not be Heroes Garage if we didn't, number one, quote ourselves. And if we didn't say one thing, and then contradicted either in that very sentence or in future episodes. No, but uh, in all seriousness, I do think that I'll see season three in a totally different uh, season two in a totally different light after seeing season three. Um, I do think that there is a huge payoff in season three of Jessica Jones. And I think it's good. Yeah. It feels yeah. earned, and. Yes, Jessica cars. Jones. It is my favorite property of this. Of this, as much as it pains for me to say that, because I do love the Daredevil stuff too, and I love Luke Cage, but I do think that I there's something about Jessica Jones and her character that strikes a chord with me more right. so than the other ones. So I would give it. It's going to be between nine point two five and nine five. I don't know if I gave anything a ten in these, in all of these, but this is, it's up there. Um, it's got its flaws. Yeah, just like the characters are riddled with flaws, <laughs> um, yeah. but I do think it was a it was a there, fine there was way some
0: to huge flaws that we didn't talk about, but uh, you know, like Malcolm and the hooker, that was just like, what the heck did that happen? Um, I did like Eric the new super, his his powers, um, how he was blackmailing people, and how he, um, you know, he, he would gauge the pain as how bad the person they were, and then he would blackmail them. Uh, you know, it was a, like a worldly way of using his superball powers to hit to to do his addiction, which was gambling. Where Jessica's addiction is drinking alcohol, and so they had a parallel type of addiction to deal with. So, um, there was some great parts in that, and there were some huge fails in that, and that's why I, I, as much as I give it a nine, there are just some things that just really bothered me.
1: And I don't see most of what you said those, there as fails because these are flawed characters.
0: Right. I get and it. There's,
1: there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to chaos. And that's what you have when you have this level of lawlessness going on in people's huh? individual lives and around them. So it's kind of the landscape. And I think what I loved about this is that Jessica was able to kind of drag uh, first her left nostril and then her full nasal <laughs> passage above the muck. And rise to the level of being a hero once again. So
0: yes, I agree. I agree. Yes. Yeah,
1: so, well, that is our review of Jessica Jones season three. And I, I shudder to say this, but my brain is is just telling me to say it. Bill, we're going to have to have you back on the show, so at some point we can talk Legion.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. I I, I know Legion three is about um, wrapping up. Yeah. And um, have not put any time into it. Unfortunately, I got stuck on another show, and so after Stranger Things three, you guys already talked about that already. I'm sorry. I'm we did, off. but
1: what did you what did you think of season? Of, um... uh,
0: I really liked it a lot. Um, what I think what made Stranger Things three so exciting was man, they just they made it in eight episodes. Tom, I know so that is is wow. Think about that feat, how much you got to put in eight episodes. Mm -hmm. And it was just amazing. Um, They have just done such a great job in the series where right when you think, you know, I I actually did think, oh my gosh, oh, they're going to go and we're going to rehash this. But no, they they rehash it in such uh, a way that you had no idea of, how oh, they would do it and um loves love the Stranger Things. Just yeah. amazing. And I can't wait for Stranger Things Four. Called it that he was he transported or he was in somewhere, Hopper. And um I just uh and I, I just think it's exciting because now I look at Stranger Things Four and I'm like, man, now we get a whole different storyline. And um it's just it's just great, great plot and character development. And, boy, um, having lived in the 80s, boy, they just nail it. They yeah, really they
1: do. It. they do. They totally do. So we're going to have to um, rally ourselves together here and at some point talk about um, Legion because I think it's worthy of a full podcast where we kind of break things down a little bit. Um, I am working my way through Season 2. I'm, I think I'm at least 50% through it. Okay. So, well, really Bill, good. I think exciting. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode.
0: Well, thanks Tom, thanks for uh, thinking of me and having me on.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. So for now and until next time, this has been Heroes Garage.